we'll be bringing about 200 miles of new transit service to our residents and visitors of Broward County. And the community is very excited about this, as, as are we. Uh, it's a it's a large program that is going to span about 15 years from start to finish. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged. In depth this week with our special guest, Corey Cuff Lonergan, who is CEO and general manager of Broward County Transit in Southern Florida. Corey, welcome to the show. Good morning, Paul. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. Uh, Very excited to talk to you today about your wonderful career experience and what you're doing there in Broward County. Sure. So I'm I'm really excited to have an opportunity to talk to you about uh, some of the things that are going on here in Broward County because Broward County is one of those sleeping giants in the transit industry. Uh, we right now we're a bus company and um, we have roughly 44 routes, about 444 buses, uh, fixed route service. We also have paratransit. We have community shuttle. And um, we also have um, a microtransit, very small microtransit program. We've been in existence about since about the mid 50s. There haven't been that many general managers here, I believe, probably less than uh, five or maybe six. Uh, So I'm excited to be part of such a small group of transit professionals that have led this organization. That's wonderful. And that shows stability. A, A lot of transit agencies around the country aren't able to have that kind of stability at the top job. And so they seem to be going, you know, I mean, you and I were talking in the green room about my experience at MTA in Baltimore. Well, I was the 10th CEO in the last 20 years when I was there. So they were averaging a new CEO every two years. And it's kind of, and, and that's how long I lasted. It was two years. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to uh, get stability. Um, if you're just changing leadership every couple of years, people have different visions and plans and things like that. So that's a wonderful um, background to come from. Why don't we uh, talk about uh, where Broward County is for those around the world who listen? As you know, we're in 100 countries. So Broward County is is down in the south part of Florida, kind of near Miami, right? That is correct. And so um, Broward County is a, uh, a, a county, a very large county in, in the state of Florida. Um, we are north of Miami-Dade County, and a lot of people know uh, Miami uh, as a, a destination spot. But we also have Fort Lauderdale here in Broward County, so that's one of the major cities that people will, will recognize. Um, we are a, a county that is flanked on one side by beautiful beaches and yes. the Atlantic Ocean. And on the western side, we have Everglades. It's a very, very beautiful place to be. Palm trees, sunshine, great weather all the time, wonderful people. Uh, We've got a population of about 2.1 million people uh, here. And uh, we are a destination location for many visitors that choose to come to Florida. We have a very large uh, cruise uh, business that leaves our uh, seaport on a daily basis. So that's one of the uh, economic generators for the county. Um, And we have a lively uh, airport as well. So we do have a very strong tourism business here. And in fact, one of the the best kept secrets here is that we have the second largest destination location in the state of Florida, Fallgrass Mill Mall. Fallgrass Mills Mall. Sorry. Wow, that's something. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale is an amazing place. I spent a lot of time there, flown in there, took a cruise out of there. 
And actually, <laughs> a good friend of mine, uh, Susie Akel Ford, who was the economic development director for Queen Anne's County when I was county administrator here, retired there. And I've been to visit her and her husband. My wife and I have been to visit her and her husband a couple times there. And uh, she's always told me, Paul, you ought to come down and talk to them about their transportation program. And, uh, and now I am. <laughs> So so good to meet you uh, officially. And you've had this job now. You've been in the position for a few months. Um, What was it like coming into a brand new job as the CEO of this big and kind of uh, storied historical transit district? So, you know, I've been in my role. I'm counting by the day. So about 140 days. Um, And uh, this is my first CEO opportunity. So I'm coming from a vice president level from... um, WMATA or Metro in uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, it's been a very great experience. I'm excited to have an opportunity to work with so many dedicated transportation professionals. We have a workforce of about 1,300 people, and um, as you can imagine, we have all of the bells and whistles that uh, any transit agency has. Uh, We have a very dedicated uh, customer base as well, and we have... um, and we are part of county government. So unlike a lot of the other transit authorities around the country, we're actually part of uh, a larger organization um, through our uh, county government, uh, Broward County. And we have uh, a commission as our board of directors uh, that is responsible for all county services. What's great about it, and one of the things, quite frankly, that attracted me to the job, Paul, was the opportunity to learn about government. So we have so many additional services that in my career, growing up vertically in the transit industry and rail and power, I didn't have the opportunity to interact with, you know, like the health and human services department or the right. parks department or the airport or the seaport or the convention center and the department of culture. And so there's so many um, departments that we have here And it's a great opportunity, at least for me, from a learning experience to um, get to know those departments and and, um, further my professional development and knowledge base. Yeah, that's great. And a number of places are like that. Miami-Dade, he's part of the county government there. Um, Yeah, so that is an interesting structure. I mean, King County Metro uh, is the same way out in Seattle. There's a lot of big systems that that are part of the county government. And you're right. It is so exciting to have all those access to all those resources and be part of a a bigger team. It does have its challenges. Uh, You don't have your own necessarily your own finance department sometimes and things like that. And procurement sometimes has to go through the county government. How are you finding that uh, working with a, a larger agency, a larger government such as that? So what I'm finding um, is that it's very much like working as a department in an agency. So for okay. me, coming in from this perspective, having just uh, come from a VP level into my role, I'm used to working across uh, the organization with various departments. And I kind of see it very similarly, although yeah. my peers are running huge agencies and not departments. But you know what? At the end of the day, the way uh, our county uh, structure is set up is that we are uh, quasi-independent agencies. So we do have our own um, finance department, procurement department, oh, that's good. Uh, HR department. Um, and however, they do roll up to a central uh, organization, uh, a service organization that supports us. So not only do we have uh, staff embedded on the team, we also have the resources within the county to lean on when we need them as well. That's wonderful. What a great perspective. And how about financing? H- how is your agency financed? 
So we just like everybody else, right? So we uh, rely very heavily on our partners at the FDA for federal assistance and grants. Um, and we also uh, have our fair box. Uh, fair box is about 12% of our, um, of our revenue. Um, but the one thing that we have here in Broward County uh, about uh, three years ago, or no, roughly five years ago, I'm sorry, in 2018, we passed a surtax. It's a penny surtax. And that surtax is dedicated to transportation. And so we have those uh, resources available to us for both capital and operating expenses. And one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about today is our Primo program. All right. um, and it's this is largely an outgrowth of that penny sales tax investment that the voters um, voted on here to pass. And uh, we are, like I said, in year five of that. So the pre-roll plan, um, Paul, is a new and transformational transportation project that we're bringing to Broward County. And I shouldn't say project because it's more like a program. And so right now, as I mentioned to you, we, we've got the fixed routes, uh, the community shuttle, a little bit of microtransit and paratransit. But what we're going to have uh, very shortly is commuter rail. Uh, oh. We're also going to have, yeah, we're going to have commuter rail. So we do have... Tri-Rail, which I, I think you're familiar yeah, with Dave Deck. Uh, here. Dave Deck, yes, good friend. Uh, he's on the uh, kind of western side of uh, the county. Okay. And we're going to be on the eastern side with this new commuter rail service. So that's that's pretty exciting. Uh, we're also going to be offering for the first time uh, light transit, light rail transit here in Broward County. And then uh, we're also going to have our bus rapid transit lanes uh, and service. And we're going to have a uh, high-frequency bus service, which is basically bus service on steroids, right? So we're going to be running at 15-minute frequency uh, along our fixed route, um, which we're going to be expanding some of our fixed route services. So at the end of all of this, we'll be bringing about 200 miles of new transit service to our residents and visitors of Broward County. And the community is very excited about this, as, as are we. Uh, it's a it's a large program that is going to span about 15 years from start to finish. We're really particularly excited, uh, Paul, and I, as a transit professional, having been in the industry for a very long time and worked at les legacy properties. You know, a lot of times when you make some of these capital investments, the O&M or the operation and maintenance dollars don't trail, right? You know, everybody right. forgets about the other side of the equation. <laughs> but I think that, you know, the voters here were well-educated and made a, a very decisive decision to include that O&M um, support for these kinds of investments. So, you know, we're fully funded from that perspective. But, you know, at wow. the end of the day, we're still going to rely on very heavily on our partners at the FTA for uh, grant support in terms of um, some of the, um, the, the capital needs that we have here. And uh, we have a great working relationship with the Florida Department of Transportation. That's our state partner. In fact, yesterday I, I met with the uh, Secretary of Transportation for the first time, Secretary Purdue. Uh, he was here in town visiting with us, and uh, he gave us an award for our support during Hurricane Ian. We provided bus service for the um, FDOT employees that needed to get to the Fort Myers area to respond to the hurricane. All of this stuff works together to to make us a strong transit property, and and you know, looking to the future. Obviously, FDOT is going to be a very uh, big partner of ours as well. So I am excited. My team's excited. 
Uh, we can't wait to get this going. We've done a lot of tr- uh, outreach with the public to make people aware and, and um, get their input into the process. We've met with an, a number of cities and um, municipalities here in, in Broward County to you know, discuss our plans. We've reached out and talked to the NPO. Um, so this is a a uh, comprehensive uh, program. But, you know, at the end of the day, as you know, these types of uh, programs only get better if it evolves over time, right? So what we have today is the beginning. There is so much growth in Broward County. There's so much interest in folks moving to Florida uh, and to the um, Broward County area that we know that, you know, this this project and program is going to have to evolve over time in response to what we believe to be some of the growth opportunities that are forthcoming that aren't necessarily planned right now, but the potential is there for that growth. So we'll adjust uh, the plan accordingly to meet the demands of our riding public. That's some amazing plans, Corey. So light rail, BRT, and commuter rail, all coming yes, to your sir. county. All, wow. all coming and the trifecta, let me just tell you about this, because this <laughs> is one of the things I'm personally excited about, is the fact that we're going to have an electrified bus fleet. The goal is to have that done by 2035. And so right now we're on track to, to get there. Um, we have 13 uh, electric buses on system now. Uh, uh, 12 of them are in operation. The 13th one we just recently received, and we're going through that commissioning process. So that should be out and about soon. But we are heavily invested in sustainability as a county. And strategically, this is one of the pillars that the county uh, truly believes in. And so um, they are very supportive of our desire to electrify our uh, bus fleet. In addition, I also have uh, the fleet organization here uh, under my responsibility. Our fleet team has our non-revenue vehicles for the transit. So all of our uh, cars that we get around with, all of the, um, the the trucks and equipment that we use to do work here in Broward County um, with our public works department, our, our parks department, et cetera, falls under that uh, fleet's responsibility. We're moving forward with an electrification plan for, their, for all of our equipment, um, or rather I should say all of our vehicles yeah. uh, in the same time frame. So these are very exciting times for us and I'm really excited to be with a, uh, a an employer that is so committed to the environment. And I'm so glad to have an opportunity to support that. What an amazing plan of improvement you've got laid. I don't know really anywhere else in the country other than maybe Austin, Texas, that has that much on their plate that they're basically just going to put in place a brand new, you know, three, like you said, the trifecta of, uh, of all that together. Amazing, Corey. I bet you're, that's why you got a big smile on your face, right? You can't wait to get into it. That I, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it was into it on day one, probably uh, into it before I even got here. <laughs> I can imagine. Wow. That is something else. Um, so uh, what's the game plan like to make all this happen? Light rail, BRT, commuter rail. Are you doing all at the same time? Are you going to do one first? That kind of stuff. What's your game plan? Yeah, so that was a great question. And we have a schedule that is uh, very deliberate in terms of rolling this out over time. So like I said, it's going to be over a 15-year period. And, yeah. it, and it is sequential. The first thing that we're going to be rolling out is our high-frequency bus service, which, as I mentioned, is that 15-minute interval bus service, and that'll be first. So we'll be uh, rolling out two high-frequency bus uh, 
services on uh, Sample Road and on Hollywood Boulevard. And so those two areas will get the first of the uh, investment here. Then we'll be rolling out our commuter rail line. Uh, the first part of it is uh, called Broward County, Broward Commuter Rail South. It's going to be three stations, one in a town called Hollywood, and then another one in Fort Lauderdale, which is near um, our Broward Health Facility, and then one at the airport. Um, and then following that, um, uh, we will roll out our light rail, our first uh, segment of our light rail proposal, um, which will connect our airport, seaport, and convention center. So it's the economic engines of our yeah. community. And so we'll be connecting all three of those uh, with high, with the light rail service. And then um, we will roll out our first uh, BRT service on Oakland Park Boulevard. And those will happen in 2028. So 2026 is the high-frequency bus service. 2027 is commuter rail. And 2028 is our BRT service. So those years will be certainly be slight, very busy over that time and getting ready and prepared for that. You know, those are the anticipated opening dates uh, for the first uh, things that we're going to be providing. That's beautiful. You know, one of the other things that's great about South Florida is um, your integration with even private rail operators. Uh, Brightline Trains uh, has made a lot of news around the country in that that they are a privately operated uh, intercity rail system, uh, which is different than a commuter rail or a light rail. It's something we've really needed in this country, I think, for a long time. Other than Amtrak, there's not a lot of places that are doing that for passengers uh, with private companies. And so tell us how you integrate with them and and, um, and how you work with this uh, private operator, which just opened up service all the way up to Orlando. Yeah, so I have to tell you, I'm very proud of Brightline. Um, I, as a transportation professional, I know how hard it is to um, advance some of these investments in in uh, new markets. And for a private company to decide to make that type of commitment, it's commendable. And I'm grateful to them for having, um, you know, train as an option to getting around South Florida. And I think a lot of people uh, appreciate that, too. I believe their ridership is pretty strong. We have been uh, coordinating with them. Uh, because the uh, commuter rail line that I just mentioned is actually on the same line that they run their service on. So okay. uh, we will be working with them to um, bring that commuter rail service to fruition. Interestingly enough, the the line that um, both of us will be operating on are uh, the is owned by the uh, Florida East Coast Railroad. And so that will be an entity that we've actually been meeting with and having conversations about what's to come. Um, but, you know, we are in early discussions about uh, what the service will look like and how we integrate. So uh, stay tuned for more on that, Paul. Well, we've taken a look at kind of what you're doing now, what your plans are for the future. So we've done past, um, present and future. Now let's go to the past. Uh, you've got a great background, Corey, for what you're doing. I mean, I don't want to uh, steal your thunder, but your resume, it's just phenomenal. I mean, five years at WMATA as vice president of project development and implementation. You were the chief engineer of capital projects for CSX, the rail company. I mean, what an amazing background. Tell us a little bit about all that and how that prepared. And you've got a degree in civil engineering. Tell us about your background and how it prepared you for what you're doing today. So, Paul, you know, um, one of the things I'm very proud of is the fact that I started my career in public transportation as an intern. I had an opportunity that between my junior and senior year of college 
to work for SEPTA in Philadelphia. And after I grad, well, right before I was ready to graduate, the, the original plan was for me to go to grad school and um, the, the, the funding didn't work out for me. And I reached out to my supervisor, Harry Lupia, uh, at uh, SEPTA and said, Harry, uh, you know, I'm graduating in a, in a month or two. <laughs> and do you have anything for me? Because I'd like to come back there to work. And he said, sure, Corey, we'd love to have you back. And, and the rest is history. So I started my career off in, um, in Philadelphia at the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority. And I got to tell you, that's a great place to learn about public transportation and how integral it is to a community uh, and how important it is to preserve your assets, uh, you know, throughout the dura- the life uh, cycle of an asset, you know, because you, as you know, coming from a legacy system, you know, some of the, uh, what comes with that, right? Uh, and so uh, I had a, I had a great time at SEPTA, I had a lot of wonderful mentors, people that I worked with in the industry, and I was able to move on to consulting and I went on to work for Flora Daniel uh, in Southern California. And I worked on the Metrolink early days of the Metrolink program as a um, as in support of uh, the OCTA, the Orange County Transportation Authority, they were our client, uh, and we were uh, there with them, uh, helping them get that that uh, train service up and running. And then, you know, moving on uh, back to SEPTA for a little bit, and then going on to work in the power industry, and that was a game changer for me. I've got to tell you, Paul, it, it's nice to have an opportunity to work in the private and the public sector. Yes. Um, and, you know, going into the um, engineering consulting, working for a Fortune 500 company, and then going to work for a power company, which is also a Fortune 500 company, and then eventually going on to work for CSX uh, as a for- in another Fortune 500 company has um, enabled me to kind of fully understand some of the options that are available to us that, you know, traditionally you may not see in the, uh, if you, if you grow up completely in the uh, transportation arena and as, as you know, you, you've bounced around um, between government and transit and other things. And so, you know, the value of that and um, the perspective that you bring when you have those types of experiences. So I'm, I'm really uh, glad to have had an opportunity to work for WMATA or Metro in, in Washington, D.C. And that really uh, helped to uh, give me a strong foundation to uh, take on the role here. Well, I can't wait to see what you're going to do there. And I'm excited. And I hopefully uh, I can announce now that uh, Corey is going to be a guest on a live CEO roundtable this year at APTA Expo that I'm putting on with brand new CEOs with under a year or so uh, on the job. We did something similar to this at the Think Transit Conference with eight CEOs in April. And I hope to have a, a reprise of that with some new guests as well this year. So you get to meet her in person. Uh, and hear her story a little bit more in a live setting there at APTA Expo on the trade show floor at the Trapeze Vontis Medaxo booth. So looking forward to that. Corey, let's stay in touch as we will. And we wish you the very best in uh, in this amazing projects you have lined up. Well, Paul, thank you so much for the opportunity to share some of the things that are happening here in Broward County. It was such a pleasure to meet you and have an opportunity to have a conversation with you. And I look forward to many more. Thank you. And I can't wait to see you at APTA. All right. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. 
Corey Cuff Lonergan is talking very high level about complex long-term projects, as transit executives often do on the world's leading transit executive podcast. But I'd like to switch it up for a few episodes and talk about the basic and basically free promotions almost any American transit agency has at hand. A website, a newsletter, and a blog. So let's start with your website. The 299 million internet users in the United States represent 92% of the population. So chances are, your customers look for information about your services online. When users arrive at your website, make sure it is cleanly and simply designed. The main pieces of information transit customers are looking for when they use your website are where your service goes and when it's offered. That means you need your maps and your schedules or nice clear links to them easily visible at the top of your homepage. Also helpful, a trip planner. You might have your own, or you can give users a link to Google Maps if you have a GTFS manager set up. You can also provide links to download the PDF versions of your user guide and schedule for people who want to have readier access to these important pieces of passenger information. The other locations on your website your customers are most likely to visit should be visible below the fold. Those sections will include mandatory information like non-discrimination policies and will also address your holiday and inclement weather policies, as well as about you and careers pages. If you'd like to talk more about website best practices or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged with our special guest, Corey Coffelonigan, CEO of Broward County Transit. Now, coming up next week, we have the first of two very special interviews that Paul recorded on his recent trip to Brazil. Our first one is a repeat guest, Dimas Barrera, who is the president of Sindionibus in Fortaleza, Brazil. This is a really interesting interview with Paul and Dimas. Dimas dives into how Brazil is different and how it organizes its public transportation infrastructure and its approach to reducing emissions and sustainability in transit. Please take a moment to rate and review Transit Unplugged on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. These ratings and reviews really help us spread the word about transit around the world. If you have a question or a comment and you'd like to reach us, email us at info at transitunplugged.com. Transit Unplugged is brought to you by Medaxo. At Medaxo, we're passionate about moving the world's people. And at Transit Unplugged, we're passionate about telling those stories. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.